Well, somebody say amen. God's good, and he enjoyed that, those testimonies. You better thank God every day that you've got a church like this. There are a lot of people that don't have this type of a church or this type of leadership, and, and I want to commend you for the music and commend you for loving the young people. And uh, be careful. They're, they're growing. It, it, they're, they're growing, and you be patient with them and love on them and help them. It's a, hey, he showed up. I was beginning to think you didn't exist. <laughs> so you get married in 2021? Why, why so long? Never mind. <laughs> Mark, hey, I got to read this to you. I got to read it. Here's a, who's a husband having terrible health problems. Better listen up. Terrible health problems. A lot of stress. A lot of problems. So they went to the doctor. Doctor examined him, and then he called the wife in, and he said, now get your pen out, write some things down, because there's some things you're going to have to do. He's in terrible shape. said, number one, each morning, fix him a healthy breakfast. You writing this down? Number two, be pleasant, make sure he's in a good mood. Number three, for lunch, make him a, a, a nutritious meal he can take to work, and for dinner, prepare an especially really nice meal for him at night. Don't burden him with chores, so as this could further his stress. Don't discuss your problems with him. It would only make his stress worse. Try to relax your husband in the evening by giving plenty of back rubs. Next, and encourage him to watch some type of team sporting event on television. And if you do this for the next year, I think your husband will completely recover. On the way home, the husband said, what did the doctor tell you? She said, you're going to die. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> Mark chapter 16, boys and girls. Mark chapter 16. We're going to take a look at verses 14 and 15 tonight. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to get a pen out, and I want you to write uh, some things down as I give them to you, and then I'm going to ask you to repeat them out loud back to me, and that's the way we're going to do this thing tonight. Mark chapter 16 and verses 14 and 15. Mark chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. I've been saved for 63 years. I've been in the ministry for 48 years. My dear wife and I have been married for 55 years, so we've spent most of our life in the ministry, most of our life uh, trying to get the gospel out and get people saved. I came to the uh, motel where you were so, uh, so gracious to put me up, and the first lady I met was a lady I led to Christ last year. And she met me in the, in the lobby. She said, Dr. Gray, what are you doing back? I said, i got to pay him a bill. But anyway, uh, oh, that was funny. Uh, but uh, she thanked me for giving her the gospel last year. And boy, that just made the trip just, uh, that, that really made my day. Because really what this, all, this whole thing's about is getting the gospel to people so they don't die and go to hell. And we have that responsibility. So let's take a look tonight at Mark 16, verses 14 and 15. And I'm going to give you some things to write down. And I'm going to ask you to repeat them back to me. And uh, I, I honestly, please let me help you tonight. Can I? Can I do that? Please let me help you. If we just sit here, <clears throat> we're just going to grow old and die and the city will go to hell. We can't do that. We've got to be active. We've got to be active in getting the gospel out. There was a dear lady in our church back home at... I, uh, her husband and I were soul winning partners for years, and he uh, passed and went to heaven. And then her health got real bad. They had both hips replaced, both knees replaced. 
And the last time I saw her, she was in a, in a wheelchair. But she went soul winning every week of the world. And she had a little Ford Taurus, and she'd load that up with a bunch of old people. And I called them the Jeritol crowd. And now I am the Jeritol crowd. But uh, they'd go, so, well, she'd text me every week and said, we had five saved, something like that. How many did you have? And uh, just, uh, I, I hate her. Uh, but uh, I, I'm grateful for laymen who get the gospel out. If you depend on the pastor, the staff to do it, they will do their part. But we're not going to be effective in reaching our city for Christ unless all of us do it. There are people that will listen to you that will not listen to me. And there are people that listen to me that will not listen to you. Thus, we both have to go. I go soul winning because I'm saved Bob Gray, not because I'm Dr. Bob Gray. So I go soul winning because I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody. I want everybody to go to heaven. And they're not going to know unless we uh, give them the gospel. I was flying back into Shreveport. The Louisiana Tech basketball team was on the plane. And a uh, little bitty uh, commuter uh, jet. <clears throat> and they got on. And they had to scrunch down to go find their seat. And the coach and his wife sat next to me in the exit row. And I leaned over and asked about their season, how it was going, and so on and so forth. And then I, I said, sir, let me ask you a question. I'm a pastor. If you died today, you know for sure you go to heaven. And she said, no. He said, no, I don't, I don't think anybody can know that. And his wife reached over, and she tapped him on the shoulder and said, well, let him tell us. I, I'd kind of like to know myself. And so I led the coach to Christ, the wife to Christ, and one of the assistant coaches was sitting behind them. And when we got off the plane, tears coming down his face. He said, I have witnessed to them till I'm blue in the face. And then the coach said, would you mind telling the team about the gospel? So I got all the basketball. I've got a picture of it in my uh, office there. And I, the whole basketball team got saved, the coach. And they were Mormons. The coach and his wife were Mormons. Used to be. They're not anymore. And uh, yes, amen. Uh, so this soul winning thing, everywhere you go. There are people everywhere that do not know, and you have an opportunity to tell them. Mark 16, verses 14 and 15. If you have that, let's stand and stretch just for a moment. Can we do that? Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Chapel in the morning at 945, if you'd like to come. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now the gospel according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you say that with me? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is not baptism. The gospel is not joining a church. The gospel is not trying to live a good life because you can't do it for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. But the gospel is about Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Him. Sometimes I go into a home and I see Jesus on a cross up there and I, I, and I, I think to myself, that's not true. He's not on that cross. He's risen. He's alive. See His right hand of God the Father. Now tonight, I want here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about my observation, observations about personal soul winning. Can I do that? My observations about personal soul winning. I'm not the best soul winner in the world, but I'll tell you one thing. I do my part. I'm going to get on a plane Tuesday morning and fly home. That guy sitting next to me, if he didn't want to be witness to, he shouldn't be sitting there. Because <laughs> it's not my fault. Let him get his own travel agent. <laughs> but he's going to get the gospel. I had a guy in Atlanta got so mad at me, he stood up, walked back, and stood by the restroom for two hours. 
on a flight, wouldn't come back and sit down. It stinks back there. But uh, I want to talk to you about observations about personal soul winning. I want to encourage you tonight. I want to provoke you tonight. I want to exhort you tonight so that all of us will take it personally. It's our personal responsibility to tell people how to be saved. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. John 17 is actually the Lord's Prayer. The other is a model prayer. He's praying now, not for the world, but praying for you. He's praying for you because you're the only tongue that the Holy Spirit has. You're the only set of eyes the Holy Spirit has. The only hands that the Holy Spirit has and the only feet that the Holy Spirit has. And so we've got to, the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. He doesn't live in this building. He lives in us. And we need to take the Holy Spirit and give Him an opportunity to convict people so that people will trust the Savior. You don't save anybody. Jesus does the saving. But somebody's got to do the introducing. Somebody's got to introduce them. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this church. Thank You for the wonderful testimony of the young people. And thank You for people who care. It's obvious this church cares. Thank You for all the ministries You've given this great man of God. And we're grateful for the testimony. Now, God, help me to help tonight, please, the dear people. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Soul winning is the opposite of soul losing. I win them over to the Savior so the Savior can save them. That's what soul winning is. I want to lead them to the Savior because I know the Savior will save anybody who wants to be saved. And yet we've got to win them over. Remember when you were dating your wife and you... uh, my goodness, you took a bath and you smelled good and you opened the door for her and you pulled the seat back for her and put it back and, and you, and you were even nice to her mother. You, <laughs> that's how serious you were about this thing. And what were you trying to do? You were trying to win her over. That's what soul winning is. You, you win them over to the Savior. Tell them how great the Savior is. Tell them how wonderful the Savior is. Tell them about how Jesus will save anybody. There's no sin so bad that Jesus cannot cover it with His blood. And you need to, somebody say amen to that one. Now, in this, you need to understand that we win them over to the Savior. We lead them to the Savior. We do not save them. Jesus does the saving. But we give them an opportunity, don't we? We tell them how great the Savior is. And I I love telling about how my mama got saved and my daddy got saved and my brothers got saved. And I love telling how even my mother-in-law got saved. I was able to lead her to uh, to Christ. And that's a miracle in itself right there. But uh, somebody say amen now. All right. So soul winning is the opposite of soul losing. So let's make sure our lives count. Let me give you some observations tonight. Number one. Number one, I've got 65 points, 35 sub-points, three jokes, and two tear-jerking illustrations. Here we go. Number one, soul winning is just the decent thing to do. Write it down. Soul winning is the decent thing to do. Soul winning is the decent thing to do. This matter of winning them over to the Savior is just the decent thing to do. How many of you are saved and on your way to heaven? Let me see your hand. Saved on you. Well, somebody say amen. Boy, you ought to be tickled tonight that God has forgiven you of your sins, past, present, and future, all under the blood, and you're going to heaven when you die, and thank God for it. Now, shouldn't other people have that opportunity of knowing that they're going to heaven too? So it's just a decent thing. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Write it down. Romans 1.31. 
In Romans chapter 1, that terrible chapter about the degradation of a society ends up with bestiality at the bottom. Now, you don't get mad at the preacher when he preaches against sodomy or homosexuality because that's the sin just before bestiality hits a society. Now, that's in Romans chapter 1. But Romans one thirty one, right in the middle, smack dab in the middle. That's Texas right there, isn't it? Smack dab in the middle. It says, without natural affection. That's a key point in Romans chapter 1. What happens in this degradation of society is when we get to a point where we do not have natural affection. I love my mama. I love my daddy. My mama died at age 98 on Christmas Day, 2010. And I love my mama. I love my daddy. I love their memory. Now, there's a natural affection. I have four children, two boys and two girls. Uh, two boys are pastors. The two girls want to be, but I won't let them. And, uh, and, uh, I've got uh, uh, ten grandchildren and eight great-grandchildren, and, and I love them. There's a natural affection there. Don't you know that? Uh, you grandparents understand what I'm talking about. We should have had them first. You know that. But uh, there's a natural affection. But the Bible says when a society gets uh, corrupts and it gets more corruptible through the years is because there's an element here that enters into the heart of man, and that's without natural affection. There ought to be a natural affection that you you have. I am shocked when I see dads killing their wives and children like's happened in recent weeks. I'm shocked at it. I'm shocked at people who have, uh, I mean, just pure evil and without natural affection. But doesn't it seem like that there's more and more of that in our society today? Maybe it's because the news 24-7 carries it all the time. But I'm telling you, don't you ever get to a point where you're without natural affection. Be careful. It ought to scare you. You love your wife. You love your children. You love your husband. You love those grandkids. You love the fire out of them. And have a, have a natural affection because that is a key element in the degradation of a society. All right? Write this down. Philippians uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4.19. Ephesians 4.19. In Ephesians 4.19, just before you get to quenching the Spirit, it says that that you get past feeling. Past feeling. Uh, so when you get without natural affection, and then you get past feeling. Those are two uh, incidents in the Bible where your spirit is affected. And when your spirit is affected, you're not going to witness to anybody. Uh, you, when your spirit is affected and you, you get, become sour, uh, you're not, you're not gonna do much for God, that's for sure. So, number one, soul winning is the decent thing to do. Say that with me. Soul winning is the decent thing to do. Louder. Soul winning is the decent thing to do. I was taught by my mama, my daddy, when a woman, a lady walked in the room, I stood. When, uh, uh, I, I opened the door. That was courtesy. That's just the way I was raised. A hillbilly mom and a hillbilly daddy. Thank God. And uh, pulled the chair back and even put it back. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got on a, sometimes at air, airports, I've got six million air miles, but sometimes they'll take you on, put you on a bus and drive you to the plane. There's, there's no terminal there to get you or no gate to get you on the plane. And I got on the bus and it was jam packed with people. And I, I, I was sitting down and a lady got on. I stood up and stepped back and said, ma'am, have it now. Oh, she started jumping on me. And she said, why you think you, uh, us, uh, us females are not as strong as you males are. And, and she just started jumping. I, I mean, out of nowhere. And she said, haven't you ever heard of ERA? I said, yeah, Eve ruined Adam. Uh, <laughs> and that got a lot of laughs on the bus. I see it didn't get some of you. But anyway, uh, 
Soul winning is the decent thing to do. I want you to look at it that way. It's the decent thing to do. Why should, well, I'm not prayed up. Well, why should they go to hell? Because you're not prayed up. Well, I'm not, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not right with God. There's nobody in this auditorium who's right with God. Not until you awaken his likeness. As long as you've got, well, come on, they say amen to me now. As long as you've got this flesh, you're going to have a battle day in and day out, and you better put that flesh under subjection, and you, it's just the decent thing to do. We had an elderly man who drove into a ditch across the street from our church. We had a, a, a monsoon come in. I mean, water everywhere. And he missed the, tur- uh, the turn. He was in his 80s, and he went into the ditch. And he drowned there in that car. And people drove up and stood. And nobody they kept looking at each other. Who's going to do something about it? Well, they waited so long until the man actually drowned in his own car. Uh, you hear about ladies being attacked and men running the other way, afraid to do something about it. Boy, our society, uh, Hollywood has ruined us. Hollywood is abs. Come on, somebody say amen now. Uh, soul winning is the decent thing to do. I know you're not right with God. You should be. If it's you're not going to be, as long as you're in this flesh. But it's the decent thing to do. Carry tracks with you. Hand tracks. I knocked on the door. We handed out 4,000 tracks a week at our place. And we used different colored paper. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a miser. I bought all this paper and we started printing tracks in different colored paper because it was cheap. And uh, I knocked on this do- one door and I handed this track to this lady said, I've already got that color. And I said, what? She said, I've already got that color. And I could, I, I'd forgotten what, I, I, did, I said, ma'am. She said, well, come here and I'll show you. She brought me in the kitchen and on her refrigerator, she had magnets on her refrigerator and she had four different colored gospel tracks from our church. And she took that thing out of my head. She matched it. She said, see, I told you, I've already got that color. She said, your church has only got four colors. That's all you got. Every Thursday at 725, somebody knocks on my door and says, if you die today, you know for sure you'd go to heaven. She said, I went to my priest and my priest told me there is no such thing as a hell. And that's what the priest told her. And she said, if you show me from the Bible where there's a hell, I'll listen to you. Otherwise, you'll have to leave. Well, if I have to, I sat down with through the Bible study. She jumped up, slapped the table, and she said, well, I'll be John Brown. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what that means. I'll be John Brown. She said, well, tell me how to keep from going there. And the dear lady got saved. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful to see people born again. It's wonderful to see people trust the Savior. That's what this whole thing's about. This is not a museum of saints where we come in and admire each other. Uh, this is a matter of a go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've got to get out and where the people are and tell the people how to be saved. So number one, so when he is just the what? Decent thing to do. Louder. So when he is just the decent thing to do. Real loud. So when he is just the Decent thing to do. Be an honest person and just do the decent thing. Just do the decent thing. Number two, soul winning is the natural thing to do. Soul winning for the Christian is the natural thing to do. Soul winning, personal soul winning is the natural thing to do. When you first got saved, you told everybody. You told everybody that you were saved. You were so tickled about it. You told everybody. I remember going to school and telling my best friend, Ray, Ray, I got saved this past weekend. I got saved. He looked at me and he said, I almost drowned myself last week. Uh, 
he had no idea what I was talking about. Bless his heart. He had no idea what he's talking about. And, and it stunned me because I thought everybody knew you were saved or lost. I just, the world I was raised in, I, I thought, well, why doesn't he know? Now, but he didn't know because I, I was supposed to tell him. God wanted me to tell him about how to be saved. So it's the natural thing to do. A young couple gets married. They, uh, they uh, go a year, no, no babies. Two years, no babies. Three years, no babies. And then finally dad says, hey, come here, boy. <laughs> what in the world's the matter with you? I want grandchildren. And, uh, well, I, I, I don't know what, well, you need to go see the doctor. You and your wife need to see the doctor. Because it's not natural. It's not natural. But wait a minute now. If you don't have spiritual babies, you need to go see the great physician. You need to go, come on, amen me now. You need to go to him and say, help me. Help me. Oh, thank God for this church. Thank God for a soul-winning pastor. Thank God for a soul-winning staff. Thank God for people that care and want to keep people out of hell. Thank God for that. Now, you, but we've got, we've got to have your help. Now, the last year I pastored, we baptized 4,464 people. 153 of those were ones that I was, God privileged, gave me the honor of leading to Christ and bringing to church myself and walking down the aisle. I have a question for you. Where did the other 4,300 come from? They weren't mine. They were the dear people sitting in the pews that made it work. Don't depend. Your pastor's not a hireling. He's not a hireling. He's God's man. He's the man of God. And he's to lead you and train you in this matter of getting people saved. And the soul winning program at this church is more important than the golden oldies. It's more important. Where did that come from? I've never said that before. (laughs) 74. Uh, Now, so, number one, soul winning is just the what? Decent thing to do. Talk to me. Soul winning is the what? Decent thing to do. Number two, soul winning is the natural thing. Write it down. John 4, 29. John 4. In John chapter 4, you have the woman at the well, and you have Jesus speaking to her about water, and they were talking two different uh, subjects here on water. He was talking about living water. And uh, so, in this, uh, where he, he led her to Christ... He told her, he said, you've been married five times. And he said, you're shacked up now. Now that's your Savior talking. Don't get mad at the preacher when he preaches against sin. Don't get mad at it because unless you know that you're a sinner, you can't get saved. And that's why we need old fashioned. We don't need liberal uh, people in the pulpit uh, pulling the wool over our eyes. No, we need men of God who will tell us that we are sinners and point out sin. And if he gets the, well, he did everything but call my name last Sunday morning. We'll come back next Sunday night and we'll call your name. Come on, amen me. You need a preacher to tell you what you will not tell yourself. You're not going to. I went to the doctor, my annual checkup. Doctor said, now you need to get on a scale, pastor. I said, I'm not getting on a scale. He said, no, you've got to get on a scale for this physical exam. I said, I'm not getting on a scale. He said, now, Pastor, you're going to have to get on the scale. I said, not unless you got one for my left leg, one for my right leg. I get on the scale. And then when I got done, you know what he said to me? Have you ever thought about a low-fat diet? I said, I don't have to. All my fat's low. <laughs> I don't have to think about a low-fat diet. I looked at him and said, have you ever thought about plastic surgery? But anyway, uh, soul winning is the natural thing to do. What did that woman at the well do? She got saved. Been married five times, shacked up, and she went to town where the staff, his disciples went to town. They came back. You know what? They brought back hamburgers. And they said to Jesus, have you any meat? 
He said, yeah, I do. Meet that you don't, you don't understand. And we was talking about the salvation of that lady. What did she do? She didn't come back with hamburgers. She brought the whole town. She brought all the men to Jesus and brought them to Him. Now, I'm just simply saying to you, it's the natural thing to do. She got saved. What did she do? She said, I can't let those people that I know that know me, I can't let them die and go to hell. I've got to get them to the Savior. So she goes to town and she brings those men to the Savior. Thank God for that girl that did that, that, that lady that did that. Thank God for her. It's the natural thing to do. When you first got saved, you told everybody. You need to get you a fistful of tracts with this church name on it. And you need to take just have them with you all the time and just hand them out every time you see somebody. And by the way, put them in your bills. When you pay a bill, put the church tract in there and mail it to them. If you're late on a bill, put another Baptist church tract in there and send it to them. Number one, sorting is the what? Decent. Talk to me. Sorting is the decent thing. Louder. Sorting is the decent thing to do. Help me out. Sorting is the decent thing. Do you say yes, sir? No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Do you open the door for ladies who come to the door? Do you, you put a chair back? Are, are you courteous? Are you kind? Do you pay your bills? Are you decent? Are you courteous to your mom and dad? Are you courteous to your neighbors? Are you a decent person? Are you the kind that your word means something? When you give your word and it means something, and you say, I'm going to keep it. If it costs me everything in the world, I'm still going to keep my word. What, what kind of a person are you? Now, I'm just saying to you, don't put this on a basis of your spirituality. You put it on the basis of they're going to hell. And somebody's got to tell them. Instead of you sitting around wondering how mature you are in the Lord and how right you are with God, forget it. You're not right with God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are saved sinners in this room and there are unsaved sinners in this room, but both of them are sinners. I was taking my wife to the hospital driving down the road and a woman got me off. My car went over in the ditch, and I thumped, 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 and I pulled back up. And I thought, what? Well, I floorboarded that caddy, buddy. Took that thing and spun it up around. And I put that power window out. I'm fixing to give her a piece of my mind. My wife looked at me and said, honey, don't do that. They may be church members. <laughs> and then she said to me, and they think we're Christians. <laughs> she knew how to hurt me, didn't she? I've got a temper, and I know I do. And I've got to keep that thing under subjection all the time. You're not perfect. But do the decent thing. Do the decent thing. Do the de- We had a guy in our choir. We had a 70-voice choir and a 40-piece orchestra. And we had a guy in our choir. I've never seen that, that guy smile in 35 years. Never seen a smile. He'd sing in the choir. I said to him one day, why do you sing in the choir? He said, I love Jesus. <laughs> I said, well, good. I'm glad you do. But I noticed he, he turned in convert slips regularly turned him in. And I thought, that grouch? What in the world? So I said to him one day, can I go sewing with you? He said, yes. I said, okay. So we went, we drove, I said, this guy walking. I said, now you take this one and I'll take the next one. So he gets out, out of the car and this guy's walking down the street. He said, hey, hey, you, come here. And the guy said, what do you want? Well, I'm just, nah, I said, I don't think you care. He starts going back to the car. The guy starts hollering, what do you want? He said, well, I'm just, nah. He said, I don't think you care. He said, back to the car. Well, this guy's like fishing. I mean, it was like, like fishing. And this guy kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And finally, my, my soul and partner got in the car, and the guy's knocking on the window. What do you want? He rolled the window down and led him to Christ. I said, do you do this all the time? He said, it works, doesn't it? 
<laughs> hey, you don't lead them to Christ because you got your mispersonality or Mr. Personality. It's the Holy Ghost of God that convicts and draws people to God. But somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to be the mouthpiece. Somebody's got to care. And we can't sit here. This is not the price is right. Y'all come on down. They're not, they didn't beat the doors to get in here this morning. And they didn't beat the doors to get in here tonight. That's why he said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell them how to be saved. Tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They're not going to hear it from ABC, CBS, or NBC. Or Fox. They're not going to hear it there. It's God's people. It's our responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As you run into them, give them the gospel. So number one, so when he is the what? Decent thing. You're dying on me now. Number one, so when he is the what? Decent thing to do. Number two, so when he is the natural thing to do. Number three, so when he is the commanded thing to do. In these scriptures, it's very clear. It's the commanded thing. He said in verse 15, go. He didn't say, y'all come. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature or one creature at a time. So our responsibility is to tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection. We're not telling them about Central Baptist Church. We're not going to tell them about our youth program. We're not going to tell them about our Christian school. Tell them about Jesus. That's the only hope they've got is the Lord. He's the only hope they've got. So, so it's a commanded thing to do. Now my kids are all grown now. Scott was our youngest. He was our caboose. And uh, bless his heart. He, his his brother shot up and his sisters grew like, and he stayed about this, bless his heart. He comes to me one day, Dad, when he put a tie on, that made my ties on, the knot was as big as his head. He'd run the tail down through his pant leg and he'd come up and he'd just as sad as could be, Dad, you think I'll ever grow up? No, kid, you're going to be a midget the rest of your life. And uh, and But can you imagine me saying to him, son, take the garbage out, and him replying to me, looking at me and saying, I'll pray about it. What do you mean you're going to pray about it? I'm going to pray on you. <laughs> Take that garbage out, boy. What if he looked at me and said, Dad, I just don't have the gift. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make you a gift to the garbage, man. He, he commands you in these verses to go. This is not an option. This is not an option. You're commanded to go. And don't get mad at the preacher when he gets up and says, you're not right with God if you don't go. They're dying and going to hell. Who's going to tell them? Right. Oh, a preacher, I can't. I'm just so meek. And you have a Tupperware party. Avon calling, ding dong. <laughs> you have coffee with all the neighbor ladies talking about the ladies that didn't show up. Oh, that was not good, was it? Uh, now, I'm just simply saying, it's commanded here. Go! You're supposed to go. You're commanded to go. I was with my mama when she passed and went to heaven, age 98. Oh, and I miss my mama. She was the spiritual influence in my life. And I remember she laid there and she, my brother, younger brother said, uh, I can't get her to, to respond at all. And I leaned over and said, Mama, Mama. And she opened her eyes and looked at me. It made my brother so mad he wanted to slap me. <laughs> but she, she looked up and all, if, if my mama, she didn't now, but if my mama had asked me to do something laying there on her deathbed, let me tell you something, I'd have broke my neck to get it done. Come on, amen me now. That's how much I love my mama. That's how much I cared for her. And I thank God for my Savior. Because my Savior went to the cross and, 
And I cannot imagine. You know, we think about that cross, but we don't realize how deep the hole was, how large the, the cross was, and how they had to scoot it up and drop it about six feet into a hole. Can you imagine the ripping of the flesh? Can you imagine the crown of thorns? And I'm not talking about little corns, thorns. I'm talking about giant thorns pressed into his brow. And I can see them mocking and stripping him naked in front of the whole world. And I can see the humiliation. But he was willing to do that for you. And you want to tell others about it. God has given to us the responsibility. That's why he said go. He didn't say y'all come. Number one. So when he is the what? Decent thing. Louder. So when he is the what? Decent thing. You're going to have nightmares about this sermon, aren't you? Number two, soul winning is the natural thing to do. Number three, soul winning is the commanded thing. Number four, soul winning does not mean you're spiritual. Soul winning does not mean you're spiritual. In Mark chapter 16, take a look what it says in verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and, look at this, upbraided them. Now, that's an English word for a tongue lashing. Has your mom ever given you a tongue lashing? There's nobody can do it like a woman. Nobody. You women have got a mind like, uh, like none other. The things you remember, I don't think they happened, but I think you, you think they did. But anyway, upbraided them with their unbelief. What did he give them a tongue lashing about? Their unbelief. Watch it now. And hardness of heart. Because they believe not them which has seen him after he was risen. What are, what's going on here? Jesus is giving them a tongue lashing. Why? They're backslid. They're not right with him. And he lets them have it. So what does he say? What's the cure? The very next verse. And he said unto them, the very eleven that he gave a tongue lashing to, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You're backslid. You're not right with God. What should you do? Go soul with him. That's what you do. Go soul winning. Tell people about the Savior. It's not about you. It's about the Savior. Go soul winning. That's the cure for a backslidden state. If you're cold hearted tonight, then get you some tracks. Go tell people how to be saved. You'll get lifted up in a while. Tell people how to be born again. And don't wait till you get right with God. Because you're, you'll never be right with God until you awaken His likeness. Now, number one, soul winning is the decent thing. Come on, talk to me now. Soul winning is the Decent thing to do. Number two, so many is the natural thing to do. I like that boy right down here in the front here. Number three, so many is the commanded thing to do. Number four, so many does not mean you are spiritual. Woman at the well, was she spiritual? No, she didn't have time. In fact, excuse me, but she hadn't even been baptized yet. She wasn't a part of a church yet, yet she could tell people how to be saved. I don't care how bad off you are tonight. And, and I, I'm a, don't, don't you let the devil come and bring up your sin, your past sins in your life. Because if you're saved, that's under the blood. It's gone. Don't you let him browbeat you to where you don't serve him and don't work for him. We're all sinners. All of us are. We just have saved sinners and unsaved sinners. All right? Now, so what's he say? Uh, he, he's saying personal sowing does not mean you're spiritual. Look, if you pay your bills, that's wonderful. You've got a good credit rating. You take care of your wife and you're, that's good. You won't end up divorce court. You take care of your kids, that's good. That means you, you, you won't end up bailing them out of jail at two o'clock in the morning. And all those are different areas of your life. If you're good at what you do, you got a good career, you're, you're faithful to it, and you're blessed there. But soul winning is one of many areas in your life that's where God has a will for you. 
And so, because you're successful as a husband or a wife does not mean that you're successful as a soul winner. You've got to understand something here. You are commanded by God to go soul winning and tell people how to be saved. But that doesn't make you better than anybody else. If you win souls tonight, don't think you're better than everybody else here. <laughs> One of the best soul winners in my church was a guy I couldn't get to be faithful to church. Soul winning does not make you spiritual. It's the right thing to do. It's the commanded thing to do. Don't let them die and go to hell. Don't let them slip through your fingers. Have you ever talked to your neighbor about the Lord? Have you talked to your co-workers about the Lord? Have you talked about you who go to college? Have you talked about your, to your college mates about the Lord? I'm just saying you are there on purpose and God, if he, Ephesians 2.10, ordained works. He's worked it out for you to cross their path so that you could give them the gospel. I've led people to Christ because I was born in Arkansas. Don't bring up Bill Clinton. At least we got rid of him. <laughs> I've led people to Christ because I went to, I, I, I moved to Michigan. I've led people to Christ because I went to Michigan State University. I've led people to Christ because I was an accountant at General Motors. I've led people to Christ for all kinds of connections. It's just God put me in that place, and then I used it in my conversation to try to help somebody get the gospel. I wanted them to know I was a real person. I wanted to be in their world and let them know that there's more to this thing than just money and, and, uh, and success and fame. Now, number one, soul winning is the what? Decent thing. You're doing good. Number two, soul winning is the natural thing to do. Number three, soul winning is the commanded thing to do. Number four, soul winning does not mean you are spiritual. Number five, now don't get mad at me at this one, but soul winning does not build a church. Sowing does not build a church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus will build the church, but he has to have the material. You bring the material, he'll take it from there. Yes, boy, we, one guy said it one time, he said, we, we bought buses and I put extra money in. And I saw a bus come in the other day with two riders in that bus. He said, that just burns me up. My good money going in there. And two riders, that's all he had. I said, how many did you have in your car? God gave you that car. Just as much, you can put people in that just while you get on a bus. Now, somewhere in here, you need to understand, sowing does not build a church. Sowing is keeping people out of hell and giving them, bringing the material so that Jesus can build a church with it. You've got to win people to Christ. Put them in your car. Pick them up. Bring them to church. Walk them down the aisle. Put them in the tank. Hold them under till they blubber. They'll be glad to tie if you hold them under long enough. <laughs> now, I'm just saying to you, you it, it, don't, don't expect, if you think so when you build a church and it doesn't, you'll quit so winning if that's your goal. But your goal ought to be, there's a mom, there's a dad, there's a son, there's a daughter. They're going to die and go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to burn in hell. I've got to tell them how to be saved. I've got, I've got to be urgent about it. I've got to be. Now listen, there is internal motivation and external motivation. What I'm doing right now is external. What I'm doing, and, and every, every pastor has that responsibility, by the way. They gotta call the shots. They gotta, they gotta lead the church. And, uh, but I'm saying some of you, it's gonna have to be internal. You're going to have to reach down deep inside. You do it because you're saved, not because the preacher tells you to. Do it because you're on your way to heaven and you don't want anybody to go to hell. Do it internally. The Bible says clearly that the unprofitable servant just does what's required of him. If all you do is what's required of you, then you're an unprofitable servant, the Bible says. 
All right. Number one, soul winning is the what? Decent thing. You're doing good. Number two, soul winning is the natural thing. Number three, soul winning is the commanded thing. You're dying on me now. Number four, sowing does not mean you are spiritual. Number five, sowing does not build a church. Last point. Aren't you proud of me? Last point. Last point. Personal sowing gets God's attention. Personal sowing gets God's attention. There are things tonight that you need from God that only God can supply. So how are we going to get God's attention? Write this down. Luke 15, 7 and 15, 10. The Bible says in Luke 15, 7 and 15, 10, there's a rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. So who's shouting? God the Father's shouting. Who's Not the angels. Who's shouting? God the Son. God the Holy Spirit is shouting. And those other people that have gone on before that are in heaven Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that great cloud of witnesses are looking over. We're on the playing field. They're in the stands. They're looking at us tonight. And I don't you understand? You've got people cheering you on. And what brings heaven to rejoice in the presence of the angels? One person that gets saved. You're not going to win a hundred people this week. But you keep somebody's daddy out of hell. You keep somebody's mom out of hell. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed it's hard for sons and daughters to lead their parents to Christ because they look at them as the snotty-nosed kid, you know. But you, can, I could be the same age as somebody's son, and I can walk up and give them the gospel. They'll listen to me. They won't listen to their own son. Do you understand what that means? That means their daddy's out there. They're going to die and go to hell, and the kids can't reach them. Their mama's out there. They're going to die and go to hell, and their kids can't reach them because they won't listen to their own kids. I'm just saying to you, please understand that you want to get God's attention. You want to get his attention. Then you go get somebody saved. (laughs) Listen, God had one son, the only begotten son of God. And when he bore our sin upon his body, God had to turn his back on his own son. I have two sons. I'm sorry. I love you, but I don't love you that much to let them die for you. I've got two girls I'll give you. No, <laughs> but I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't have that kind of, of love, that agape love. I don't have it. But I'm saying to you that God does. And I'm saying to you tonight, please understand, you, you become needable, you become feedable. You become needable as a Christian where God needs you. You know, time's flying by. Do you know that? I'm 74. I don't feel it. I look in the mirror and I say, who is that old man? I don't know him. I don't know him. I think I'm 14, 16. I don't think of myself as being old. But Brother House died five months after his 74th birthday. That means i got five months left if I follow that pattern. Now, I'm telling you right now, I ain't got time to fool around. When it's soul winning time, if what you're doing at your house is more important than what the church is doing, I'm coming to your house. If it's more important. But just in case it isn't, I'm going soul winning. Now, tonight, everybody here, do you realize when I went to Longview in 19, please forgive me for the story, but I went there in 1980, I had 13 people that went out on visitation. And they had the old BBF card system where they'd visit absentees. Do you realize what that means? That means when you go out on Thursday and visit people that were not here last Sunday, you're one week behind. 
So I told them, I said, why don't this Thursday, why don't we go soul winning to get somebody new for this Sunday? And, uh, uh, and, and I, they, they cheered me. They said, no more cards. I ripped the cards up through them in the air and they clapped. Yay, no more cards. What were they? It didn't work. They're going out and visiting the absentees. But win somebody new to Christ. Get somebody new. Win somebody for next Sunday. And get them down the aisle next Sunday. I remember that uh, when I asked them, I, the men, there was 13 of them there on a visitation night. I said, have you guys ever had anybody saved on Thursday night? One guy said, are we supposed to? I said, well, it'd be nice. I mean, going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't say going to all the world and tell them how, what a great program you got down at the church. It doesn't say that. Give them the gospel. Give them the gospel. I preached those men for about 20 minutes. And, buddy, they, we, they got fired up. And they paired off, and they, I told them, I said, stop the first person you see. If they're dead, call the police and keep moving. <laughs> but stop the first person you see. We paired up. They were like teenagers running down the hallway trying to outdo the other one to get to the first. They got in there, six cars in that parking lot burning rubber like, like this because there was a guy walking down Avenue B by our church, and they all spotted him, and so they went after him. And those cars just slid in. I laughed. Those cars slid in there like that. And this guy threw his hands up. He said, you got me. You got me. You got me. He thought it was a SWAT team that got him. He got saved six times that night. But uh, it's all right. He was charismatic. Uh, now, please, please understand something here. You have a personal responsibility to win people to Christ. Now, if they say no, that, they have that right. They have that right. I, I said yes because I wanted to. Oh, what a great opportunity you have. Here in this, this city, there's people waiting for you, ordained for you to give them the gospel, and you've got to get to them. I was driving down Highway 80, and there was a guy hitchhiking, and I pulled over. He got in the car, and he went like that, and I, I'm driving a car, and I said, what's the matter? Won't anybody pick you up? He said, yeah. He said, they're a bunch of nuts. I said, what do you mean? Well, they pick you up and say, if you die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? <laughs> I said, really? I said, who are these people? He said, it's that Bob Gray. Ever since that, Bob Gray's been in town. Blankety blank, 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 blank. And I said, hi, my name's Bob Gray. <laughs> I looked at me and he said, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean. And uh, liar, liar, pants on fire. And, I'm driving down the road. I said, let me ask you a question. He said, shoot. I thought about that for a second. I said, if you die today, you know for sure you go to heaven. Boom. He said, stop this car now. I want out. I said, nope. <laughs> I'm only doing 60. Get out if you want. I preached him all the way to Big Sandy, Texas. He never did get saved, but he knows how. They may not say yes, but at least you give them an opportunity. Everybody, my wife stood at the soul winning clinic. We had a national soul winning clinic for 30 years. Every state in the union and, and many, a dozen foreign countries would attend. My wife, I had her give her testimony. She stood up, and here's what she said to that great congregation. She turned around. She said, only one person in my entire lifetime has witnessed to me. And she pointed to me, and she said, it's my husband. I've never had a tract given to me. I've never had anybody ask me if I died today, no, for sure I'd go to heaven. She said, I was raised Catholic my whole life. He's the only one that ever told me about Jesus, about salvation. Man, that scared the fire out of me. I thought, my goodness. And I wondered how many other people were like that. We've got to get the gospel to them. Let's stand our heads about and our eyes are closed.